And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I am your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I would be remiss if we did not mention our amazing sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Helium 10, cutting edge software that helps grow your business on Amazon. Startup Hustler listeners get 50% off their first month of Helium 10 Platinum when you go to helium10.com and use the code HUSTLE at checkout. Don't wait to get 50% off your first month. Go to helium10.com and use the code HUSTLE. And we are very, very grateful for their sponsorship and really excited. We love it when our sponsors give startup hustlers the opportunity to save some money and do some really good things for the business. So, so thank you to Helium 10. Now, we have another thank you that we are uh, that we're about to gear up for here. We're going to thank our guest for being here today. And I have to tell you very selfishly, I am extremely excited about this guest. Um, our, our guest today, we go way back, um, have some, some fun stories with her, but we have with us today, Carlanda McKinney, and she is founder and CEO of Botify. She's gonna tell us about Botify, but I, first I just wanna say, Carlanda, thank you so much for being with us today on the show. Of course, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited and happy to be here. So, so I'm very glad to hear that. And I, and I do have to tell you, um, you know, we put together the, the host, we all kind of put together like our list of dream guests and <laughs> you were, you were definitely, definitely on my, uh, tops on my list. Cause I, I want to talk to you a, because you're a super fun person, but also because I really love what you're doing with Botify. So why don't you, let's just kick it off there tell, tell us about yourself. Tell us about Botify, kind of how you came to, to the work that you're doing right now. Sure. So, uh, a little bit about myself. So I um, born and raised in Kansas City. I went to undergrad at Mizzou, went to UMKC for grad school in their entrepreneurial program. And that's sort of where my, my startup journey began many, many years ago. Um, had a few other companies ahead of Botify. None of them were what I would call like knock out the park successes, but they did teach me a lot, gave me a lot of lessons and gave me the groundwork for what later became Botify. And what Botify is, is a web-based platform that um, matches online shoppers to the brands that are best for their bodies. So we're not like a stylist app or anything like that. You know, we rely on you as a shopper to say, hey, I need a pair of jeans. And then we will say, oh, cool. Well, here's the best brands of jeans that are going to fit you based on your measurements. And here's what size you should buy in each brand. And we do that for, you know, all types of clothing. And it really just helps, um, it helps you, the shopper, uh, you know, figure out what to buy, but it also helps the retailer keep things sold. Because if you're anything like me, you shop online a lot and you also return 
a massive amount of what you buy online because you can't try it on on the internet, right? So we just bypass all that and and help you make better choices. Yeah, so, so that is awesome. And I, I have like six things that I wanna ask you, but the first thing I want to talk to you about is is the need. So, you know, you, you mentioned that you, you shop online a lot. And I, I think a lot of women shop online. You know, I, I, most of the women that I know have a, a fear or a dread about changing rooms at, you yeah. know, different retailers. Like you, nobody wants to go hang out in a dressing room, try on things that look weird under fluorescent lighting. Like nobody wants to do that. No. So, so online shopping has become this very convenient thing, but I know that one of the challenges, and I hear about this all the time, it is sizing, like figuring out what is going to fit because sizing varies from retailer to retailer so much. Like actually Matt DeCourcy, he just asked me not too long ago, he wanted to get jerseys for the startup hustle team. And he was like, what size do you need? And I was like, okay, well, are we talking unisex sizes, women's sizes? Do we know if the manufacturer runs small or runs mm -hmm. size? You know, we, I mean, like I had, 10 different questions for him. And I remember him, it was really funny. He was just like, Lauren, I, I don't have the answer to any of these questions. I had no idea that it was gonna be such a complicated question <laughs> to ask you. And I'm like, it really is though, because there, there's no like standardized measurement for, for women's clothing in particular, you know, it just varies. So, so I love that you are, addressing that and you're making that easier you're you're working within that pain point is that kind of what inspired you it is so what what happened was what happened was <laughs> um i this is so, gonna be good i can feel it <laughs> so there you know there are current solutions in in what i call like the fit finder space right so the widgets on different websites that will tell you uh, what size to buy in a particular brand, right? Yeah. So I was online shopping and I wanted to buy a dress and I used that retailer's Fit Finder tool and it's like, hey, buy a 10. Now, because I know my body and because of my prior startups, I knew that there was a good chance that their algorithm was off. So I bought the size that it recommended and the next size up just to be sure. Sure. Well, when I got them, neither fit, right? They, I mean, they could, they got on my body, but neither of them really fit me. So that kind of made me think like, okay, what went wrong here? Because one of these should have fit uh, right. based on what this widget told me to do. And so I started looking into, you know, how fit finders make recommendations and it turns out that when you look at brand as um, like a data input, as opposed to an output, it, it completely throws off your algorithm because the fact of the matter is there are just some brands that don't have a right fit for some people. And the reality is that is not a website I should have been shopping on anyway. They don't make stuff that's cut for my body. So if I could have just circumvented all of that and not even, you know, wasted my time, wasted their time and gone to websites that had stuff that will fit me the way I want it to fit, then everybody's happy, you know? Yeah. 
Well, and so, so when we're talking about finding fit from manufacturer to manufacturer, um, you know, there, there are a lot of challenges, I'm sure. And one of the things that I want to talk to you about is, is the technology itself, because I think, I think what you're doing is, is revolutionary. So, so tell our listeners, how does, how does Botify work? Well, thank you for saying that. Um, so, <laughs> so the way it works is as a, as a shopper, you would take two pictures, one front facing, one side facing. And then we on the back end have um, some calculations and algorithms we run to get your measurements. Um, and then we never save off your photos, right? We just save off yeah. the information and then the photos go poof. Uh, and then we run that those measurements against brand data that we have stored. So if let's go back to the example for jeans, you know, if you're looking for a pair of skinny jeans, do people still wear skinny jeans? I don't know. But if you are, <laughs> if you are looking for a pair of skinny jeans, um, we can look at your measurements and we can say, okay, this woman is a little hippie. Let's look at brands that have more spandex content in them, less denim, more spandex, um, you know, less constrictive materials, more kind of contour materials. We also look at like dye content. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but you can have multiple pair of the same cut jean and they'll all fit you differently depending on the wash. So black jeans are much more restrictive than like an acid wash jean. And that's because of the dye content. The dye changes the way the material moves. And so we look at all these things and it sounds really cumbersome and it is, but it happens very quickly. And we look at all these things on the back end and we're like, okay, here's a list, um, go forth and purchase. And so we present you the shopper with um, like five brands. So three to five brands, right? It's not always gonna be five because maybe there aren't five in our partner are going to be great for you. And sure, so we don't sure. want to recommend anything that won't be great for you. So maybe we recommend three. We're like, hey, go shop, grab you Nina, Jessica Simpson, and um, Free People. Those are jeans that are going to fit you. We pop up a link for you, tell you how much they're going to cost, um, crawl the web for any potential coupons on your behalf so you don't have to do that yourself. And then you just click the link and go purchase. And then the retailer will give us a commission fee. So we follow an affiliate revenue model that way. So it's very low risk for our retail partners and very low risk for the shopper because it's very, you know, it's pretty straightforward. And if if you're not a person that's comfortable with uploading images, um, then you can do a survey. You, you can answer a few questions. It won't be as accurate as if we could look at your picture and, and, and get your measurements, but it's still going to be better than you, you know, shooting in the dark on your own. Sure. Well, so, so I, and, and I can tell you from experience, like one of the things that retailers currently recommend that you do, like, so, so I buy a lot of stuff through mod cloth or, you know, the online retail retailers like that. And so they recommend that you measure yourself. Right. And that's always been super difficult to me. First of all, just be like the mechanics of it. Cause you know, getting like the tape measure and trying to figure out like, am I at the fullest part of my bust? And am I, you know, measuring at the right part of my hips? Like I never really know because, you know, I'm not a tailor. I'm not a dress maker or anything like, like, I don't know how to do that kind of stuff. And so, so I feel like to the, to the average 
consumer, what you have on offer is going to be, it's going to offer some relief. Like I don't have to, it takes the guesswork out of trying to figure out your measurements, trying to figure out your body type, all of that. So, so I love that. Um, and I, and, and like I said, like, I think, I think what you're doing is, is disruptive. You know, we talk about the difference between innovation and disruptive. Disruptive is something that, you know, innovation is improving on a concept that's already there. Disruptive is something that, you know, you're completely, you have the potential to change the way people capture their measurements and, and mm-hmm. figure out how to interface with these retailers. And that's just, that's awesome. Um, so, so congratulations, first off. Thank you. But Thank you. I know that this has not been, you know, you, you and I go way back, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that this has not been an easy process for you. Um, you know, you've you've had a couple of different iterations. And I want to kind of talk to you about that evolution. You know, where did you start? And then, you know, what was the path that you took to get here to this very, you know, disruptive, fully conceptualized company that you're building? Sure. So my very first startup was called Aphrodite Bra Company. And the idea behind that was to just, um, we were going to sell size inclusive bras, right? Um, At the time, and this was, you know, before Fenty, before Third Love, before you know, everyone had discovered that bras are trash and you're trying to solve the problem. Um, the idea was to just have a website that offered pretty bras in all sizes, because at that point, and this was what, like 10 years ago at that point, um, anything over a C cup was (laughs) nude and lace and that's all. And it was terrible and nothing looked nice. And so, um, the goal was to make really nice bras in all sizes. And then that eventually evolved over time into being more of a tech enabled solution. Um, So the next iteration of that idea was a company called Roxo. And so what Roxo was is we're still bras, but we were going to custom make them for every woman that wanted one. And when I mentioned earlier that that was kind of the underpinnings of what would later become Botify is that with Roxo is when I really started trying to crack the code behind how can we easily get a person's measurements with a picture and without them having to pull out a tape measure and measure themselves because the average person does not know their inches. Um, you know, so that's kind of what started the the think tank behind the measurement piece. Um, But with Roxo, we were, it was myself and I had a business partner at the time and we were, you know, we got a lot of interest um, for sure, because like I said, bras are trash, everyone knows it. And it wasn't quite as crowded of a space. Um, You know, things happened. And while we had lots of fits and starts and lots of really, you know, really cool developments, it never really fully got off the ground. And I haven't given up on that idea, but in the time that we were trying to make it work, you know, the Fenty line dropped and all these other sort of, um, I call them social media brands that get really big on social media. There were like a ton of social media brand under 
undergarments that dropped. And so it became a very crowded market and it just seemed like it was gonna be really heavy lift to continue forward in that. So took a step back from entrepreneurship just in general, um, put Roxo up on the shelf and then kind of just focused on being a mom in my career and just existing <laughs> for a yeah. while, just being like a normal human, <laughs> not a not a startup founder. Um, and so I did that for, I don't know, maybe a year. And then the, you know, then the whole thing with me shopping online happened. And then, you know, my founder brain started going like, well, how, you know, why, what happened? And then I figured out what their issue was. But then I also figured out that that's not only an issue for shoppers. Um, there's a statistic that half of everything, all clothing that is bought online is returned. And up to 92% of all returns are somehow based on fit. So it's not just a headache for the shopper. It is a massive, massive revenue drain for retailers sure. because returns, you know, a return counts for about 30% of the value of the original sale. Right. You know, and that's a big chunk of money because margins aren't all that high anymore. Um, so if you look at, you know, the fact that retailers, most of the time, if you want to return something, the retailer is footing the bill because if you are shopping online, you look at the return policy and you're like, oh, if I have to pay to return it, I'm not even going to buy it. So retailers have very lenient return policies. So they're, you know, putting the bill to get back something that they probably can't even sell anymore. So at that point, not only are they losing money on the sale, but they're, the sale is costing them. Right. And it's gotten to a point where retailers now, I don't know if you've seen this happen, but I have, where if you buy something online and you decide you want to return it, the retailer will still refund you and let you keep the thing because they don't want to bother with it. They don't even want to try yeah, yeah. to, you know, to get it back and process it now that there is, it's less of a headache to just give your money back and let you keep it than it is to try to get that item back and yeah, process yeah. it. Through. Well, and to their mind, they've already lost the product. Right. It's just done. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, so I, I do really, really quickly want to, I, I'm going to very selfishly mention something because I, I think you know this. I think I've mentioned this to you before. But when you were working on Roxo, um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this, but Roxo is actually a huge part of the innovator story. Um, have, I, have I told you this? Yes, you did tell me that. And I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that for a long time. Yeah, so yeah. when people ask me, how did Innovator get started? I have two aha moments that I associate it with it. And one of them was related to you. You had reached out to me. I think you like sent me an email or a text or something. And you were like, hey, Lauren, you know a lot of women. <laughs> I'm trying to find some women for a a focus group or a series of focus groups that I'm doing for like to talk about this custom bra buying experience. And in, what I did was I, I was like, you asked me if I could help you, you know, find people and ask people to, to populate these focus groups. And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. So I created this Facebook chat and um, that Facebook chat kind of eventually spun off into Innovate Her KC. And I mean, it's a very long, like twisty story, but whenever I tell the story of how, of, of our Genesis, I always, I always think of you. 
because you, you were a huge part of that. And I don't even know if you know how impactful that was for our journey. Um, so I, I did want to make sure that like I mentioned that and, and thank you for that. Like, well, I'm glad to be a part of it in, in, yeah. any, in, in, in any way. I'm, I'm glad I'm part of the genesis of what is such an awesome yeah. org now. So, well, yeah. so I just wanted to mention that, but, but okay, back to it, back to it. Here goes. Um, so, so, you know, you, you, you've done some pivots and you've, you've been very responsive to market, um, kind of trying to figure out how to craft a startup that, that solves a pretty significant problem, both for consumers and for retailers. Um, you know, it, and as I said, you know, just a really, really interesting solution. So you, I'm going to call you out a little bit. Here it goes. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not, as far as I know, you're not a technical founder. Like, I don't, I don't think you don't know how to like code or anything like that. Do you? No, no, I don't write code. And um. so, so how, <laughs> how did you go about building this technology? And like, did you, did you experience challenges along the way? Uh, absolutely. So I am not a technical founder. However, I have technical capabilities. So in my, in my non-startup life as a, in my corporate career, I worked on a development team, writing technical requirements, doing technical project management, um, you know, storyboarding, wireframing, all of that. I just, I do everything except actually write code. And so was an issue. I addressed it in two different ways. For one, obviously I went out and found someone who could write the code <laughs> and, you know, painted the picture for them with how awesome this could be. And, you know, pretty much convinced this person to help me um, under the, the belief that this is going to be really big later and there's payoff down the line. He, he agreed. So he's helping. Another thing that's really cool is that now there's all these no code tools, right? So what developers are everywhere and developers, contrary to popular opinion, you can get someone to code something for you for not a, a ton of money. A lot of where the cost comes in when you're looking at creating a solution is wrap around functions that come with coding. So you have to have someone that designs your user interface. You have to have someone that designs um, like the workflow. You have to have someone that writes all the requirements and then hands this information off to a developer for them to bring it to life. And so because I could already do all those things all I had to do was find someone that could develop what I already had conceptualized. And so it wasn't quite as difficult as if maybe I had no technical experience at all, right? Yeah. And then there's these websites now, like I had kind of started to mention, there's like bubble.io and crowdbotics and um, a few others where you can, and they're free, right? They're free for just like one platform if you want to do more or if you want to do more solutions than one, you have to pay some kind of fee, but they're free. And you can go on, on there and figure out how to, you can create an entire clickable demo on your own, in your own free time and hand it to someone and say, make this work, put code behind it. And if they're worth their salt as a developer, they, they can do that, right? Um, so, you know, there is some, I, I do think that if you are building a tech enabled solution and you're not a techie, that it is tough, but 
but yeah. there are ways around it. There are ways to buttress that without having to find a technical co-founder. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm so glad that, you know, I mean, you definitely have the foundational knowledge to, to get this off the ground for sure, but I'm, I'm so glad that you, you have been able to avail yourself of some of those tools out there to, <laughs> to bring this product to market. That, that's just awesome. So, you know, we're talking about a, a product that serves retailers, and I don't think it's any surprise that Amazon is one of the greatest marketplaces and, and retailers out there. I've definitely ordered clothes through Amazon. And, you know, for, for those of you at home who are listening, who use, who use Amazon uh, for your business, just a reminder that today's episode is sponsored by our friends over at Helium 10. So Helium 10 has over 30 tools to help you research, start, and manage your business on Amazon. They make it super easy. Get all the tools you need to run and grow your business by signing up at helium10.com. Hustlers get 50% off by using the code HUSTLE at checkout. And a, another cool tip, definitely catch some of Andrew Morgan's shows on the Startup Hustle podcast. He's another one of our hosts, and he is an expert in e-commerce and Amazon, and he could definitely help you get you there. Uh, he talks to a lot of thought leaders in that space as well. So, so, so right back into it. Um, one of the things that, that I love about you, Carlanda, like it's, it, it's one of my favorite things about you, but oh. um, you are, you're, you're such a hustler and we love hustlers that start a hustler, but you <laughs> have a gift for, for not only managing the very technical aspects of starting a startup and you're, you're obviously, you know, a great business manager. Um, I, I love talking to you about innovator and you let me pick your brain and you're amazing. But one of the things that you have done a bang up job on is, is kind of marketing yourself and, and finding, um, finding opportunities to promote the business, finding opportunities to in, ha, find investment for the business. One of the things that you just did recently is you got some investment support from Digital Sandbox, Casey. So congratulations! Yes. Thank you. Thank and, you. And you know, and and we had you. I actually we we actually had you mo co like co-moderate a raising capital panel mm -hmm. with, with Innovate Her Casey not too long ago. So I want to talk to you. What advice do you have for our listeners at home who are maybe thinking about starting that capital raise and looking for investment in their startups? Like, what, what about the the listeners who are struggling to find investors? Ooh, um, so much advice. <laughs> so, um, number one, look everywhere. There are so many people across the country writing checks from small checks to larger checks. Sometimes they come with an accelerator program, sometimes they don't. But there are tons and tons of, you know, it, one thing COVID did that was positive, and, and, I, and I hesitate to say that COVID brought anything good. No, it was an absolute shit show for, for so <laughs> many communities and so many people out there. But yeah. I, I get where you're going. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. So one um, unexpected benefit, I'll say that one unexpected benefit of COVID was the sort of tearing down of the imaginary wall, geographic walls, right? Yeah. You now no longer have to fly to Boston to meet with um, aggressive investors. You can now Zoom with them from your living room. 
Right. You no longer have to fly to Austin or Miami or anywhere. And so the it's so much easier to access capital in my experience. And so I would tell anyone who is interested in beginning to seek capital to just make a list of your top 10 firms for the stage, understand the stage that you're at because not all investors invest with all types of companies. So understand the stage you're at and understand the vertical you're in. And then yeah. look for the, the folks and the organizations that invest in companies and people like you. So, and don't look only in your area. Yeah. Um, right now, the, the major conversations I'm having with investors, um, none of them are in Kansas City at the moment, um, besides Digital Sandbox, right? So, right. and it, it, it just kind of happened that way. Um, because I didn't have to fly anywhere <laughs> to meet them. Um, number two, and this is something that I have learned in this process, is investors need founders as much as founders need investors. Yeah. And understanding Ooh. that. <laughs> That's you know, not something that people talk about often. You know? It's not. It's really not. And I, it took me a little bit to realize that. And so just as much as you are being vetted and they are going through their due diligence with you, you should be doing the same. If you're working with or talking with an investor and it takes them four weeks to respond to an email from you, yeah, is that really someone that you want to be taking up a position on your board? Because a lot of investment comes with a board seat, right? right. So you should really be vetting them the same way. It's like an employment contract like when you're interviewing for a job you are also interviewing the company to see if that's even where you want to be just as much as they're seeing if they want you there and so I think a lot of founders we don't really think about that like without startups and without founders investors would have nothing to do you know and so it's a mutually beneficial relationship it is not one-sided on either on either end and if you look at finding investors who can also partner with you, then it takes a lot of the pressure off to like be impressive and, and, and show well and do like, you know what I mean? It's more when you start looking at it, like, okay, this is, these are organizations or this is an investment group that they have invested in these companies and they're similar to mine or the founders are similar to me. The companies might not be similar to you at all. And they were able to add value beyond money because at the end of the day, you can go get a loan, right? Like you can get money, but the intangible value is what sort of buttresses the actual dollar investment. You said buttresses. I did. <laughs> um, so for I do, I want to take a moment. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you probably, you remember this, but for our listeners at home, um, a while back, you were on a really, really interesting panel. It was a, a Black Women in Tech 
conversation that happened during EWKC, which is sponsored by Casey Sourcelink, which is another one of the Startup Hustle sponsors. We we love them. Um, but I think it was like the Porterhouse KC, Digital Sandbox KC, and Square One um, Business Services at Mid-Continent Public Library. They did this event where they talked to so, some prominent and rising women in technology, um, Black women in technology. And you said something that really, really struck me. And so I, I want to remind you of it here. And I kind of want to, I want to poke at it a little bit. Um, so when, when we, I, I think somebody had asked a question about some of the challenges um, that are experienced. And I don't think it's any secret that startups often have a difficult time raising capital. That problem is exacerbated if you are a female founder and it is doubly exacerbated, um, maybe even triply or quadruply exacerbated if you are a woman of color. Mm -hmm. and, and so one of the things that you talked about was the fact that often when you're reaching out to investors, um, before they will consider you for a seed round or a series A round, or, you know, the, those kind of like emerging uh, capital raises, they, they ask you if you've done your friends and family round. Right. And, and one of the things that you said, and it really struck me because I don't think I had, I had heard anybody express this as passionately as you did, but you were like, I don't come from a community where people have friends and family with thousands of dollars to spare, to hand me, to fund my business. Um, and, and it was really, it was very illuminating for me. And I just, mm -hmm. I loved that you, A, had the courage to say it, you know, like what, if we're going to talk about the problems facing entrepreneurs, you know, capital is a huge one and this is a very serious problem. Um, so I, I love that you said it and I love the way that you said it. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Um, so, so I'm going to ask you, you know, you have, you've done an incredible job, but you've also had some obstacles out there in your search. Mm -hmm. so, so talk to us a little bit about that journey and how you maybe overcame some of the, yeah. uh, the roadblocks that were thrown in your way. I, you know, at some point I, and I, I don't remember exactly when this happened, but at some point I stopped trying to avoid the elephant in the room, um, yeah. which, you know, when you talk about the friends and family round and, you know, being that, um, tomorrow is Juneteenth. I think this is kind of a very fitting conversation here, right? Like, yeah. um, the reason that, like, when you look at outcomes, you also have to look at reasons for those outcomes. And the reason that myself and many other, um, black founders don't have the capacity or the, you know, the ability to raise a friends and family round is because our communities have been systemically barred from accumulating wealth. Right, so right. it's not just that, like, you know, oh, my my family doesn't have any money that they can just sink into a, a, a dream of mine. It's that maybe they would if they were able to buy a house decades ago. Right, or maybe right. they would if their our community wasn't drained of resources over the last few decades. And so... I think um, just understanding the landscape puts you, have you ever read The Art of War? Yeah, it's really dramatic, right? That's a really dramatic book, but you have to understand the landscape. You have to understand what you're up against. And 
a lot of people are like investors, they have no idea that a requirement of raising a friends and family round is really oppressive. They have no idea. And so you have to say that, like, why is that, you know, I, and I have asked, I have begun to like, when I hear things and when I'm having conversations with investors and they say things that to me, I'm like, okay, they have no idea what they're asking me. If you never say it, if you never point it out, they will continue to, and maybe they won't invest in me. Maybe, you know, my, um, my questioning or her pointing certain things out will like piss them off, but maybe once they get out of their feelings, they'll invest in the next black or brown person without a friends and family round, you know? Um, and that's, that's really all I want. And I think that's all anyone wants is just, you know, a level access to opportunity. Exactly. And equity, equity is not the same as equality. Equality means that you give everybody the exact same tools in a standardized fashion. Equity means that you give people the tools that they need to access opportunity at an equal rate. Right. right? Like there's a difference between the two. And so, maybe, you know, when we talk to investors, it's like, hey, if you are talking to someone who comes from a socioeconomically depressed background, if you're talking to a founder of color, if you're talking to someone who doesn't have the capacity uh, or the, you know, the, the support network that is able to raise a friends and family round, like maybe that's a requirement that goes away. Um, right. <laughs> but because, because the important thing is like, do you believe in this founder? Do you believe in this product? Not exactly. do their friends have, you know, cash to burn. That's not, that's not the requirement. Nobody gives a yeah. shit about that. And do your friends know them? Because that's another yeah. barrier, right? Like, oh, for oh sure. let me check my references. Okay, no one in my circle knows them, so I'm not. I'm going to pass. Well, heck, like your circle, <laughs> anyway. Like, so, yeah, I mean, people's <laughs> circles tend to compri- be comprised of people who look, think, and act like them. Like, I mean, it's, it's like an, ele- an evolutionary thing, really. Like, exactly. So it's not surprising, but we have to allow for that. And we, you know, as people with, you know, the, the ability to process complex thoughts and understand complex processes, we have to understand that, you know, not everybody that we know is going to know people of, that, that people of value. It's, that's not dependent on them knowing the people that we know. So, yeah. So anyway, I, I just, I wanted to call that out because I just, I remember having a very like crystallizing aha moment based on that thing that you said, where it was just, it was yet another instance where I, 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 I didn't have to think about that. And so I didn't, but then you said it and I was like, oh yeah, I didn't <laughs> think about that, huh? <laughs> so, so I wanted to thank you for that. Well, so, yes. so well, I'm glad you thought about it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you inspire me a lot. And speaking, speaking of inspiring, because I think you're a hugely inspiring person. And I hope that our listeners at home are listening to your story and they're just like, this woman's a badass because you are, oh, but, but here, here, let, let's inspire the folks listening at home. So what, what is your best advice to all of those aspiring entrepreneurs out there or the entrepreneurs who are out there just hustling and grinding and trying to make it and going through all the crap and the bullshit? What words of wisdom do you have for them? Hmm. I would say that um, you're going to reach a point where it'll all be worth it. And the highs and lows are going to keep happening, but it will all be worth it. And 
keep your why close to you. Um, yes. I feel like that's a bumper sticker. Yes. <laughs> keep your why close to you. You know, as you go through creating a business, people are going to have opinions and, and some you might, uh, you know, incorporate and some you might not. And, and you might have your low moments and your high moments, but if you remember the why behind what you're doing, it, it takes the edge off, at least yeah. for me, it takes the edge off. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I love that and I adore you. And I am about to ask you a question that has nothing to do with anything. It's just my, my fun human question because I feel like answering it. And I feel, I've been thinking about this one for, for a little bit actually, um, because we've kind of talked around it. And, and I have to say, for those of you who, you know, you can't see Carlanda on this podcast, for those of you who don't know her, um, she's one of the more stylish individuals that I know. When she says that she shops <laughs> online a lot, I believe her. <laughs> so my question, my human question to you is this. Somebody gives you $5,000 to spend on clothes. Where do you spend it? <laughs> um, bon Mar. And well, and do you, do you spend it on one like really nice item or do you buy a lot of stuff? I buy a lot of stuff. I buy okay. a lot of stuff. I am a bargain shopper. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> I, oh my gosh, I have so much stuff, but I can't remember the last time I paid full price for anything. Yeah. I love that. You're going to, you're going to have to teach me your secrets. Um, you know, my, my, my style is struggling. I know, you know, that (laughs) you've seen what I wear often enough, you know, so you're, you're going to have to help me fix that. I think you look great. Laura. (laughs) I I do the, the rumpled casual thing. It's kind of my jam. Uh, (laughs) well, Carlanda, I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. It is always awesome to talk to you. And I very selfishly just, I wanted to hang out with you for a minute. So thanks for do that and letting our listeners do that. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And anytime you want me to come back, I am back. Oh, Oh, don't even say that to me. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of of thanks, we want to thank Carlanda for being on the show. We also want to thank our our episode sponsors. Once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was Helium 10, cutting edge software that helps grow your business on Amazon. Start your own journey by visiting helium10.com to scale your business on Amazon today. Remember to use Hustle for half off. Uh, And we love it when our sponsors give us opportunities to pass on savings to our listeners. Uh, Also, real quick, Carlanda, I just want to know this. Have you, did you, have you heard about Startup Hustle TV? Um, TV. I did not know that was a thing. So, so we, we actually started our own TV show about entrepreneurship. Uh, Head on over to YouTube, search for Startup Hustle, and you can watch myself, uh, fellow founder cast members. We share the real story of what it takes to start, build, and grow a business. And I I love talking about the innovator journey. I love hearing about the journeys of some of our other uh, co-hosts and cast members, you know, Heather and Kyle with KC. Hempco, we've got Hernan with uh, Business Bros Podcast, and Eric, and just all kind of all entrepreneurs coming together to talk about what it really means to be an entrepreneur and to start and scale and build a business. So definitely check that out on YouTube. Just search for Startup Hustle. And listeners, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us yet again. We will catch you next time.
Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.